mentees and family of mentees. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the First Mentor Podcast. And this is your host and mentor, Vanessa Yang. Because many of us often struggle to find answers related to our career decisions, I have invited Sarah McElroy to share her insight about making certain decisions, even though it might go against what we know and how society judges us. Sarah experienced extreme burnout when she was in a C-suite role and pivoted to a journalism project where she was interviewing over 100 women about their career journeys and their lessons learned. Now, this is part two of my discussion with Sarah. Please make sure to tune in to episode 99 to hear additional words of wisdom that Sarah shared with us. And we here at First Mentor Podcast appreciate your continued support and interest in tuning in. Please follow us on our new YouTube channel, First Mentor Street, to revisit some past podcast episodes and enjoy additional content that we will be preparing for you in the coming months. And we look forward to connecting with you on new platforms. Now, let's continue our conversation with Sarah. The next area I wanted to really step into is when we approach and planning for a career, we have to make decisions, right? And there's different ways of decision making. And one thing I've learned over several decades, it took me some time. It's better to make a semi-quick decision and be wrong than just stay there and not make anything. And then a year passes, five year passes, I'm still where I'm at. I haven't moved anywhere. So that's a worse way to do it. In my career decision process, I've utilized logic analysis, and then there's also my gut feeling. So let's talk about that a little bit. This is one of my favorite topics. As I was alluding to before, I was very much that logical thinker, rational all the time. And that's what we're taught too, right? Is to be pragmatic about our careers. And there's nothing wrong with like that on balance. It's a smart choice. But when we forsake our gut instinct for solely a logical or rational path, what we're doing is we're cutting off half of our intelligence that can come into the decision-making process. So logic and our rational brain are so valuable, right? Like our brains are incredible, these personal computers that run our lives, but they can also be, it can be faulty too, just relying on our conscious brain because our conscious brain too has fear to keep us safe. Like Mm -hmm. that comes into play when we're making decisions from a logical standpoint. So we may not take risks that we should take because fear and our rational brain says, no, 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 that is a bad choice. Or like, I can't predict that outcome with any certainty. So I'm not even going to go down that road and we'll miss out on opportunities. So what happened for me is not only did I start learning how to tap in a bit more to that gut instinct, that more intuitive part of me. And at the same time as I'm making these changes in my life and I'm building a connection with this wiser part of me, I also start doing this project and I find that every single woman that I interviewed who resigned during the great resignation. And then I ended up talking to women who made big career leaps prior because I wanted women who could look back with the benefit of years of hindsight. The one red thread running through all of the interviews is that these women were just reaching a point of knowing when they had to leave their jobs. And I sat there and I was just so shocked because it it just goes against everything we're we're taught related to the security and the stability and the logic. But 
gosh, it makes so much sense. And and don't get me wrong, to the point that you're making, like there is a hundred percent a place for logic in our decision making process because like logic is mm-hmm. how we actually build the plane once we even have the dream to have it, like to build the blueprint and, and be able to fly it. But it's when we can use that as more of a tool to support once we know how to trust our gut. And that's what these women were doing. They were doing some spreadsheets and budgeting for, <laughs> you know, if I'm going to leave, I know you can appreciate that one because that's Absolutely. right up your, up your alley, but that's what some of the women were doing or pro con lists, or they were talking to people in their lives to get their thoughts as well. But those weren't the determining factor, which I was so just surprised by. But when I came back to my own experience, it was like, gosh, that makes so much sense. And so really what we're, when we're talking about the gut instinct piece of things too, people will often dismiss it as like squishy because it's Mm -hmm. not data. It's not hard facts or hard evidence or science. But what we need to understand is that our bodies and our subconscious minds are so brilliantly evolved from thousands of years that our bodies actually pick up on cues from the environment. Our subconscious brains process information at a much faster pace than our conscious brains do and also pick up on a lot more information in the environment as well. So if we decide that we're just going to follow logical approaches with all of our decisions around our careers, we're cutting off half of our intelligence related to how we make decisions. So it's like, this is your superpower when you learn how to tap into that gut instinct, bring it into the fold, do the logical things that you need to do to then make the plan to make it happen. But like, that's that part of you that I was saying toward the beginning. It's like, you, you know, we all know what is right for us. We just need to learn how to listen for it. Yes, I absolutely love it and can completely relate because there's so many times in my life where I did the whole pros and cons list. I mean, when I got two job offers, I was like, should I go with this or with that? So I assigned points and pro, but at the end of the day, even though I added up, something was just telling me now, even though you know, option A one, but something said, you should go with option B. I I went with it. And in hindsight, I think I made the right decision. Obviously, I don't know what would have happened if I made the other choice. But over time, I really learned to trust my gut instinct. It's very powerful. Maybe in my younger years, it was completely ignored. Everything was data. And like you said, analysis, maybe over analysis too. Sure. Any circumstances I wanted to share with the audience, really use your gut instinct, trust it. Just like Sarah said earlier, it picks up on a lot of things that we don't know. Right. And this goes to, let's say you make decisions about what college to go to. I've heard stories about, you know, certain students says they knew for sure they're going to go to X, Y, and Z. Those are their choices. But once they visited a different campus, their gut just told them, no, it's actually not X, Y, Z. I want that one. And they went with it and had a much better experience because it was more them and their environment. And the other thing is also useless when you first apply for jobs, get your first job offer, a second, third, or whether you decide all sorts of career path. I think it's really a combination about data analysis, knowing what you have, your skill sets, your strength, your interest, but also following what your heart or your gut tells you. 
Yes, totally. Yeah, all of that comes into the fold. I think where I'm going to ultimately net out with all of this is just that, that like those things, my my brain and taking in all of the different inputs for a decision related to um, a more cerebral approach, like that doesn't mean that completely goes out the window, but my gut really at this point has the overriding yes or no or veto vote because the more we also tap into it and start to see that when we listen to it, things turn out well, we're building more of that track record and that connection of trust that we can rely on it even more strongly in the future, which I think is really powerful. And then the the other thing I just wanted to call out from what you said is that the underlying assumption with when we're making these binary choices that are more so anchored in logic, the underlying assumption is that there's a right choice and a wrong choice. Mm. And I just think that that black and white thinking really trips us up and can get us into to trouble because I more so believe at this point that having an approach that allows for mistakes and missteps it. and like rerouting and pivoting and all of the things like looking at our careers as more of this circuitous journey rather than a linear path. And oh my gosh, if I don't get this one decision right, everything's going to be wrong. That's not really the way it goes. We have these lives to live. And yes, our decisions do make an impact on where we end up. But it's just like, I think you look at it less of right or wrong, but like path A or path B and which one's going to make me happier. I'm like getting goosebumps because I love everything you just said there. And it really, <laughs> you know, flows right into what I was going to ask you next, because we talked about taking risk earlier. And that's really, really scary. So I wanted to give our audience some inspirational stories about people who have followed their career according to what their parents or society taught them, but then at a later point in life, took big risks, turned a 180, but without that decision that they made at that point, which would have been probably very scary, as I can imagine, we would have lost out on so much. So if you could give our listeners some examples just to inspire them, that would be awesome. Yes, definitely. Oh my gosh, I love this so much. This is the, uh, for the book that I'm working on, I'm looking at women and knowing when to walk away in their career Mm -hmm. because they just feel like something else is waiting for them on the other side. So I've looked at women who, if they hadn't walked away, what would be missing from this world? And so it's like Sarah Blakely, who is the founder of Spanx, If she hadn't walked away from a job selling fax machines, we wouldn't have this billion-dollar company and all these people who have jobs that were created as a part of it. I mean, it's just such a fascinating thing that, like, she was going door-to-door actually selling these fax machines. She knew it wasn't right for her, and she really dug in even when it, you know, people didn't believe in her and in space. Mm -hmm. You look at even, like, Whoopi Goldberg, for example, I bet you didn't know, or many people would know that she did makeup for like mortician makeup, like in funeral homes. That was one of her odd jobs. I think she'd been a big teller as well. And she did all these sort of odd things, but kept pursuing acting. And now she's become this triple threat entertainer. And if she hadn't continued to follow that nudge, you know, and just had stuck with these odd jobs, we wouldn't have her today. Another woman is 
Mel Robbins. And Mel Robbins was actually a lawyer. So to your point of achieving sort of like one of the highest level careers, at least from the standpoint of salary and esteem in our society, she certainly got to that point and ultimately decided that she wanted to be a TV personality. So she started being a legal analyst for CNN and then she pivoted out of that completely, and now she is this inspirational powerhouse, has written some amazing books, one of which is The Five-Second Rule. Like, she's just got this, like, her own media company now, mm-hmm. and she creates all this inspirational content. So imagine if we didn't have that in the world these days. So I think it's just really powerful to look at these women and know that we can we can always do that sort of Monday morning quarterbacking and think that these were just easy leaps for these women. But I guarantee, because they're human, they had fear too. It's just a matter of learning how to work with that fear, acknowledge it, but not let it run the show so that you can take steps in the direction that I would bet there were people in Mel, Whoopi, and Sarah's lives who were like, that sounds like a crazy idea, what you're going to do, but they did it anyway, and mm-hmm. there's real power in that. Yes. Oh, my God. That's so true. I can think of several other examples, but you brought up some really good ones. And when you make that decision, you will have some people who would tell you, you're crazy. You're giving yeah. up certain things. I mean, if you're a 4.0 student and you know straight A's, but you do something completely different that's not utilizing, I guess, your book smartness. Some people would say you're wasting all your talent, but sure, if something else is calling you, you can still utilize all that talent just in a different area or field that makes you completely happy, right. And sometimes why not take that risk a little bit sooner when you're younger? Because that way you can really have a more time of your life where you feel fulfilled versus waiting until your midlife to finally figure certain things out and then change it there. Because sometimes I have this conversation with myself. I was like, oh, I should have taken that step or that risk so much sooner, five, 10 years before, but why didn't I? Oh, well, you know, it's too late to dwell on those. They always say the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago and the next best time is today, right? (laughs) Exactly. And the other decision I wanted to ask you is, I know we've been taught in the traditional school system to become employees. Everything in school is just teaching us to work for somebody else. But recently, I've had a lot of discussions about entrepreneurship with technology. There's so many opportunities for people who are 10 years old to build a business with YouTube and online and what have you. So let's share your thoughts a little bit about being an employee versus entrepreneurship with our young listeners. Oh, totally. I love this so much. Well, you know, I was that kid when I was younger doing lemonade and ice cream sandwiches. I don't know how we came (laughs) up with that exactly, but we were selling lemonade and ice cream sandwiches out of a uh, a kind of an igloo cooler that we had. And it it was Colorado, so it wasn't so, so hot that they were totally melted. But like, that's what we were doing. I remember I used to play restaurant by myself and ultimately I ended up in restaurant marketing, which I think is a funny thing. But like when I was a little kid, I was super drawn to this idea of like having my own business, my own restaurant, my own shop, my own stand, whatever it was. But as I got older, I just lost touch with that part of me that believed in my ability to create 
things on my own. And, and it goes back to what we were talking about with the, the school system really rewarding following the rules and being obedient and sort of falling into the line of what everybody else is doing. But what we come to find is that like, if that nudge for entrepreneurship is nudging you like that bug you get bitten with it if that's there that is telling you something that is like a little lantern on your path guiding your way that tells you that it's likely going to be in your future and worth at least giving it a shot kind of like we were talking about mm-hmm. like at least shoot your shot and give it a chance i also recently came across where it's kind of a, a silly thing because i don't know why i would have put this on pinterest But I I came across my old Pinterest profile from like 2010 or 2011. Mm -hmm. And I had in my profile actually written that I described myself as an entrepreneur at heart. And it made me remember that I used to describe myself as an entrepreneur, but just without my big idea. And here I am now. And that's (laughs) the the road I'm heading down. And I think I've got my big idea now. But who knows totally for sure. Like I could maybe pivot and we'll see where I end up. But I just think there's such, there's such power that if that sounds like fun to you, if you're self-motivated and you're not afraid to take risks and to build things of your own from scratch and figure things out, because that's what a lot of entrepreneurship is. It's just a lot of messy trial and error, right? Like we see people we look at these successful companies that they've built and it looks like they have it all together, but you have to remember that all of these people were going through times where they had no idea what it was ultimately going to look like. And they had to test and learn. I love what you said that before about like trying things more quickly to, to learn. It's like fail faster. That's yes, what one exactly. of my old CEOs mm-hmm. used to say, like, give it a shot. If it doesn't work and you, and it fails, that's okay. You learn from it and you move on. That's what I think is a part of this entrepreneurial journey. And if all of that sounds fun and exciting for you, go for it, give it a shot, like figure out what that might look like for you. And it is a thousand percent. Okay. If you decide to, that you want to learn more of the ropes by working for others first. I actually think that can be a really powerful move to spend time in different organizations to see what you like and you don't like. Understand the systems of a business because as awesome as school can be, you know, even if you're going to a Harvard, it's completely different. The textbook approach to these Uh things and like theory is which you're being taught in school, even if you're doing case studies or more of these like capstone projects, even if you're like simulating working with a company or something like once you're there and the rubber's meeting the road in real life and you're getting your hands dirty, it's very different. So it can be immensely beneficial to spend a little time working for others, seeing what you like and what you don't like, understanding how the different systems within a company, like even the different departments, what do they do? Like supply chain versus finance versus marketing versus sales versus legal. Like you, you can't find a better place to learn than in a corporate environment. And then you can take those amazing learnings and turn them into your own business eventually. Wow. Fantastic advice. I love, love, love it. Now, if our listeners, I know they learned so much from you today, want to know more about you, want to follow you on social media, learn about what you do with your book, right? I know you're working on this, but if they want to find out what website can they visit? Yes. Raise to Rise. So that's R-A-Z-E as raise. Raise to Rise.com is the 
website for the journalism project. And this is where I've been interviewing women from the Great Resignation and beyond now and capturing their stories because I really wanted to crowdsource their wisdom and insights and share it with others who are learning uh, a different way to approach their careers, just like we're talking about today. So you can find the website there. And I am on LinkedIn and Instagram as Sarah J. McElroy. I would love to connect with anyone. This conversation that we have had today, Vanessa, is just so powerful. And I wish it's one I would have been uh, exposed to when I was younger, because like this feeling of fulfillment that comes from this work and these conversations and opening up people's minds to a different way that could lead to greater fulfillment is the greatest joy of my professional career. So if I can support anyone who might want to chat and get some advice or thoughts or anything along those lines, I'm happy to help. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I think you really gave the audience fantastic advice, a different point of view than what they're learning from school. So very valuable. I really appreciate having you on the show. Thank you so much, Vanessa. It was wonderful to be here. Hope you enjoyed part two of my conversation with Sarah. And make sure to catch episode 99 if you haven't done so already. You can find more information about Sarah by visiting raisetorise.com or sarahmcelroy.com or even following her on LinkedIn or Instagram at Sarah J. McElroy. And while you're at it, remember to follow First Mentor Street on Instagram or Facebook as well. Thank you so much for spending time with us today and we'll talk to you in the next episode. Until then, have an amazing Monday.